I'm Jackson Licka, and welcome to this episode of our 2017 Strip-Till Farmer podcast series. Today's program, part two of breaking down the biological value of a strip-till system, is being brought to you by BlueJet. If this is your first time joining us, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this podcast series, currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Or if there's another app you prefer for listening to podcasts, let us know. We'll make every effort to get it listed here as well. And by subscribing, that will allow you to get an alert when upcoming episodes in this series are released, and also go back and check out episodes in our 2016 series. Thanks again to BlueJet for sponsoring today's episode. For more than four decades, BlueJet has been an innovator in fertilizer injection and conservation tillage equipment. Over that time, large acre farmers have found BlueJet to be synonymous with durability, low maintenance, and return on investment. A founding title sponsor of the National Strip Tillage Conference, Blue Jet's Strip Tracker was the first strip till implement to combine onboard fertilizer carrying capacities with a stretched and staggered row unit. Visit www.blu-jet.com or call them today at 800-658-3127. And a reminder to mark your calendar to attend the 4th Annual National Strip Tillage Conference coming up on August 3rd and 4th in Omaha, Nebraska. Look for more information and updates coming soon on the conference at www.striptillconference.com. Understanding the ecological relationship that a strip-till system needs with nature is the cornerstone to creating a truly comprehensive farming operation, says conservation agronomist Ray Archuleta. And cover crops are an essential ingredient in that relationship building process and help develop a natural armor on fields that can strengthen soils and protect crops. For more than 25 years, Archuleta has promoted the philosophy of following nature to enhance soil health and leveraging the organic power of cover crops as an untapped resource for accelerating ecological growth. In today's Strip-Till Farmer podcast brought to you by BlueJet, we welcome Ray for part two of his discussion on how strip-tillers can increase soil health and reduce chemical dependencies by embracing the concept that the plant and the soil are one. This is liquid sun. This is a root excreting hundreds of compounds, thousands of compounds, feeding microbes, bringing life back into your soil. That's why I hate fallow in the West. I've been telling them, it says, look, what they do is they grow wheat and they go fallow and they leave it bare. It's like, I'm gonna feed you for six months. I'm gonna starve you for the other six months. When somebody tells me, Ray, I don't wanna do cover crops. You know what you're telling me? You don't understand how the soil works. You're, asking, you're saying, I'm gonna starve my soil. That's what you're saying. And you, and, you, and, and you have leaks at the end. So my corn and soybean guys now are putting covers right at the end. They're cutting down their varieties and make sure they have that cover out there. This is why I do my cover crops. I leak food into the system 
And by the way, when I sent that, I took that vial and took that and I sent it to the lab. It had 187 parts per million of carbon and about 18 parts per million nitrogen at that point of time. Look at that white frothy material. That's why I want covers and diverse covers. More of that, less nitrogen I have to buy. Now, some will argue, says, well, Ray, <laughs> you're making all this up. When we first started this soil health movement, people would say, yeah, but where's your science, Ray? Where's your science? Really? It's been around for a long time. Odom, Jensen, Vendemir, but they've been ignored. The ecology science was ignored. It says principles and patterns are very common in nature, but they're rarely ever applied in agriculture. And it's interesting to me, as I teach all over the country, do you know who pick up the principles the quickest? The ladies do. The women do. They pick it up because they understand what nurturing means. We as dads, and I'm a dad. I nurtured three daughters. Farming is nurturing. It's understanding. This is how we are doing biomimicry. We are getting high boys. And when I showed that at an organic conference, they said, when they first said that, I said, organic audience, what is that? And then somebody yelled, it's a, it's a cancer machine. I said, that cancer machine puts cover crops on standing corn. And you should see how excited the organic people were. They were excited. Why do we want that? Right there, ladies and gentlemen. Because when I have a standing cover and I cut my corn varieties, I have living roots holding my nutrients, capturing energy at the last moment. So when I go into the winter, I'm not leaking my nitrogen. I'm not leaking my nutrients because they're in the body of a microbe and a plant. I want no bare soil in that ground. To me, I have producers that have cut down the varieties. In fact, I have a producer in Helena, Arkansas, growing 85-day corn. That's way down south. 180 bushel, 85-day corn. Why? Because he's got his mix, then he grazes his cows. That man is growing 180, that man is gonna wean himself off of irrigation. Young man, who I work with. Ray McCormick, here, Ray McCormick went to North Dakota with me, and he saw, and he came back, a, a believer, put a Gandy seed box on his corn head, so you can drop cover crop seed as you're harvesting corn because we cannot afford to have bare soil at the end of the year. I created an instant armor. This is the future and those who adopt it because they are cutting their nitrogen by way. They are no longer using fungicides. They are no longer using insecticides because they're mimicking the natural system. Look at the weed control because there's cereal rye in there. Beautiful, and then when the temperatures come up, that soil temperature remains warm. We suppress pigweed. Pigweed is one of the, it is a nightmare in the South. Pigweed hates cereal rye because of its ileopathy. It's negative communication speaking to uh, the other plants. So cereal rye is a fantastic part of the mix. We're doing it on tobacco. We're doing it in cotton. In fact, this is a Virginia no-till potato planter on YouTube. You just type Virginia Tech. Look at that beautiful mix. 
The no-till potato planter goes in, they come with a mower, fillet a mower, knock it down, the potatoes pop right out of that residue, and we've increased yields by 17%, and the Colorado beetle hates the residue. A buddy, we both, Jerry, know the, my buddy David Brandt, he's been doing covers for 30, 40 years. He puts some beautiful sunflowers there so because the competition for, for land is really steep. The 90-year-old women love him. They say, Dave, can you come and farm my place? I love those flowers. So he puts it for the pollinators and he doesn't have to compete for the land. It's because the ladies love that mix. But look at this field right here, 12 acres that he, no, 18 acres that he grew with six foot cereal rye, no herbicide. He just rolled it, no herbicide. That field produced 68 bushel, no herbicide. He rolled the cover crop down. Look at his soils. This is what he started off with, very similar to his uncle's. This is his soil now. Zero till cover crops. What was the key thing that was most powerful that he's been doing way before a lot of people were? Cover crops. People ask me, say, Ray, if you only had one conservation tool, what, if you would use, what would you use first? Cover. See, I can farm without a strip till. I can farm with a lot, a, lot, a lot of these equipment. But you cannot farm without a living plant or a living root. Period. So it runs on that. Look at his soils now. Dave Brand is growing 250 bushel, 200 bushel corn with 50 units of N. Consistently. Because his soils are revved up. They're biological. Now, remember I was showing you that picture in Tennessee? This is no-till by itself, without no covers on the left side. This is three years ago. This is how all our no-till look. In fact, no-till failed in many parts of the country out west because we... In NRCS, and many of us promoted no-till. We promoted tools and tools and tools. That was the understanding. Now I do not promote it that way. I promote understanding ecological systems, systems thinking. I do not promote no-till without covers, period. Because look what has happened to those soils in less than three years. Look at the soils on the left. You look at the stratification. Look at the field on the right. These are all the soils. Look at the soils now, how they've transformed. Look at the cottage cheese. Look at the earthworms. There is life now. No-till only stops the destruction, but it does not feed the system. Now we have earthworms like that, Jerry. Will that work, Jerry? Yeah, I like that. Now, weather issues. How many of you have to deal with extreme climate weather issues? Raise your hand this year. It's been pretty rough sometimes, isn't it? You can see the stress that's going on among my producers. This was last year in North Carolina in Hickory. 137, 209, on fire, we die. Last year, we got five inches of rain. That part of North Carolina gets 45 inches a year. Five inches the whole growing season. Let me show you what this young man has done. Russell Hedrick, he grew, up, he grew up in town. He's always wanted to be a farmer, but he was a fireman. Why has he picked this up so quickly? He didn't grow up on the farm. He didn't pick up bad habits like I learned. He grew up as a fireman, he watched our videos. He calls me and says, hey Ray, I, I wanna to talk to you about 
about soul health, and we talked for hours. This young man, this is during the drought, guys, five inches of rain. That young man is six foot seven. I want you to look at the armor right there. Look how that, the soybean coming out of that armor. That is a no-till field last year. Everybody got uh, RMA, uh, cast everybody out a fortified bushel. This is Russell's field. 130 bushel corn with five inches. The armor, the biology, biomimicry. Look at the soil temperatures regulated by that armor. That's why the forest has that. That's why the prairie has that, to regulate those extremes. In 2014, the average yield, his average yields ranged from 199 to 220. His best dry land is 224. These are a fixed and variable costs. He can grow corn for $1.75. That part of North Carolina is very, very competitive. Land goes for 12 to 15,000 an acre. He gets all the junk. He gets where the, where the highway came and took and used it for borrow fields nobody would want. This young man started with 40 acres. Now he's farming 1,000 acres. That man's going to own the county. Now he's integrating animals. He's integrating swine. He's integrating sheep. He's doing like exactly what Gabe Brown is doing. That young man now is selling cover crop seed. That young man is going to own part of that county. I am personally convinced of it. Because why? Biomimicry. What's the average yield over there? 112. Now the Rulons. Because everywhere I go, does, does biology and ecology, does it pencil out? That's, I always hear that. Yeah, this all sounds good, Ray, but does it pencil out? This is the Rulons. We farm 6,000 acres. Pie, he's, a, he's an agronomist by education. Brilliant. Rodney Rulon, wonderful family in Indiana. Look at his numbers. Conventional versus never tilled with covers. Look at the equipment cost reductions, 40. Reduce fertilizer costs. Increase yields. Total advantage per acre, $101.34 times 6,000 acres. That's $608,000. Now I can bring my son and daughter back into the operation. I don't have to be so stressed. Now, is it perfect? No. What's the You're going to say, well, Ray, what's the catch? <laughs> there is a big catch. You have to manage, right, Jerry? You have to think. We'll get right back to Ray's discussion, but I want to once again thank our sponsor, Blue Jet, for making this program possible. For more than four decades, BlueJet has been an innovator in fertilizer injection and conservation tillage equipment. Over that time, large acre farmers have found BlueJet to be synonymous with durability, low maintenance, and return on investment. A founding title sponsor of the National Strip Tillage Conference, BlueJet's Strip Tracker was the first strip till implement to combine onboard fertilizer carrying capacities with a stretched and staggered row unit. Visit www.blu-jet.com or call them today at 800-658-3127.
While reflecting on Ray's comments thus far, he noted that if he only had one conservation tool to utilize on a farming operation, cover crops would be his choice. His reason being that there is a range of equipment and fertilizer options that farmers can deploy, but they are all dependent on a living plant or root. And to emphasize his point, Ray shared a few anecdotes about how consistent cover cropping can conserve nitrogen and overcome moisture deficiencies to grow a profitable corn crop. Let's jump back into the program now and hear more from Ray Archuleta on the importance of challenging the status quo when it comes to conventional farming philosophies. I want my farm, when I walk into an operation, and I bring my shovel in a 30-minute conversation, I know where you're at. I know if you're running on this, on biodiversity, new sunlight, or you're running on low biodiversity, and you're running on ancient sunlight. 30-minute conversation, shovel, the soil will speak to me, I know where you're at. Where are you running your operation on? Folks, I want you to focus on the principles. There are many methods, but the principle, a principally-minded person. So if you understand the principles I'm going to share with you, I don't care where you're at. I don't care if you're in Afghanistan. I don't care if you're in Kansas. I don't care if you're in Indiana. The ecological principles do not stop at the border. It's about understanding the principles of how nature works. These are the principles. Look at the first. Now, NRCS teaches four. I teach eight. Reduce chemical, biological, and physical stress. Be careful with your fungicides. Be careful with your chemical fertilizers. Be careful, be careful, be careful. Cover the soil 24-7. Have a living root 24-7. Synergize with diversity. Diversity runs the system, ladies and gentlemen. Integrate animals when you can. And then the other three are towards us. If you don't do the other three, you won't do the other five, period. The first five are through the ecology, the other three are towards us. The first one, I think one of the most important is understand your psychological, your social, your culture, your economical, your ecological context. I would even add spiritual context. Understand context, context, context. Let me give you an example of cultural context. If you go to certain parts of Indiana and the southern part, very Germanic, everybody says, you know, all the soil should be black and tilled. That's a cultural norm. Ladies and gentlemen, what happens when you go and you plant cover crops and you start rolling? Are you going against the cultural norm? Yes, you are. I had a rancher tell me one time when he went to no-till, he'd go to the local coffee shop, he said he was verbally abused because he was going against the cultural norm. When we walk into our people's operation, when I walk into your world, I have to take all your context into play. The other one is human integrity equals ecological integrity. And I'm gonna talk about that a little more. And, uh, and, I, and the last one is holistic planning through adaptive management. This is a three-day class. I don't have time to share all of it with you. Let's talk about one that's very critical. And we're going to wrap it up here. Ecological integrity, 
Human integrity equals ecological integrity. Until we do this, there's no way that you're gonna solve your problems in your, on your operation. And what I mean by human integrity, to have the wholeness, to, to be a student, to be an observer, to have the integrity to withstand the neighbor's mocking, to go against the social norms, and maybe even go against the old scientific thought process that we have to. It takes integrity to withstand all that. It takes integrity to give more than you take. Let's talk about that. But it takes integrity to change the way you see things. If you want to make small changes, change how you do things. When you want to make major changes, change how you see things. Very, very critical how you look at things. Here's another part of the integrity issue. When I go teach all over the country, everybody has their own vested interests. The chemicals, the fertilizers, the government, this, the, the tax man, everybody has their own vested interest in your operation. Everybody, you work for everybody. But if we put the ecology first and mimic nature, we can have our cake and ice cream. It is really hard to educate a person when their check depends upon it. It's very, very difficult to change your paradigm. One of the things is also is mindless obedience to old science, to old thought process, to the cultural norms, to the social norms. We can no longer afford that. We have to be people of integrity that are willing to challenge and say, hey, nature's the template. It's pretty simple. It's been around for a millennia, millions of years. Depends what you believe in. See, I never thought that, see. If I would have had that paradigm when I was an ex-Peace Corps volunteer or going into NRCS, I would have been a lot more effective employee. But ladies and gentlemen, the soil health movement has taken a lot, a lot of heat because we're going against the social norm, the scientific norm. See, what we're saying is mimic nature. It just makes sense. Here's another homework assignment if you dare to be brave. There is a, on YouTube, I mean on, on TED Talk, there's a guy named Simon Sinek. He's got two TED Talks that have over 25 million hits on it. What I'm asking you guys today, is to be leaders in your community like Jerry has. Do you notice how Jerry has spread the word around about strip till? He's leading. See, leaders eat last. Let me tell you about the book that I recommend it's called Leaders Eat Last. See, Simon went all over the world to look for the top leaders. And it's interesting, you know where he landed up? The Marine Corps. And he's talking to the Brigadier General and said, why is so many leaders leave, come from your from the Marine Corps, and he says, Simon, it's, it's very simple. See, leaders eat last. See, the privates, all the soldiers eat first. The captain, the lieutenant eat last. The sergeant eats last. No food, tough. Leaders eat last. What we need is leaders in agriculture to change, to willing to make you feel safe. Do you know what Jerry wants? When he, somebody comes to his op, operation, especially from a government employee, he hopes that he knows more than, he, than Jerry does, but makes Jerry feel safe. That's there with Jerry willing to take the risk. We have to be out there to help our farmers become safe through good science, through new science, 
where we are using new soil tests, like the Rick Haney test, which uses the principles of biomimicry, green chemistry. The other part is leaders inspire. Plans do not inspire. I am not against conservation plans, as long as we're teaching our landowners along the path and we're inspiring them, we're there with them. What Jerry wants, somebody there with him. Ladies and gentlemen, as I travel through the, through the whole country, it's not only our country, Africa, Australia, this is the common thing we see. The soil is naked, hungry, thirsty, and running a fever. See, ladies and gentlemen, there's a difference between personal knowing and versus informational knowing. See, science at best is informational knowing. It is one of the lowest forms of knowledge. It is not the highest form of knowledge. Scientific method is not the highest form of knowledge. It doesn't tell you your why. It doesn't tell you why you do what you do. It doesn't tell you why you love your neighbor. Science can't do that. But when it becomes personal to every one of us, ladies and gentlemen, that we can't stand to look at that anymore, we will not solve our resource issues and our farmers will go broke. It has to be personal, every one of us. And I hope that when you go home, you start doing what Jerry is doing and make it personal and he shares his strip-toil knowledge. And do you notice how open Jerry was? He says, look, I'm not gonna do mindless obedience. If I have to go to no-till and cover crops, I will go to no-till and cover crops. Don't be fixed to anything. Don't be fixed to me, don't be fixed to anything. Mimic the template, mimic nature. And I tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I guarantee you will reduce your inputs if you're willing to change the way you see things. I want to thank you for having me here, and I'm excited to talk with the rest of you today. And Jack, I uh, will open it if I leave some room for, for, for talks, uh, for questions. I got a question for you. Yes, sir. Um, you showed us a slide of you were planting. Uh, I don't know what you were planting, but you were planting into standing grass that looked like it was about yep. waist high. Yes. What do you do with that grass then? What we do is that's a 25,000 biomass. I had about 25,000 pounds of green matter out there. It was mostly cereride, vetch. It was a mix that we designed. What you do is, you notice how that planter just pretty much knocked everything down? You'll come back with a herbicide burn down and you're done. Now you can roll it. I prefer, I really like rolling it. Now you can plant straight, you know, standing up. Now it's going to change where you're located. So the further you are up north, you're going to have a hard time getting CRI to reach the boot stage or what you call anthesis stage. I like to roll that CRI right when the pollen starts to fall off. So the further north, you're going to have a harder time with that. So you know that's going to stand up. You might just have to plant standing right up. Now, do I have a preference? Yes, I prefer rolling over standing up but you're still doing wonderful things. Why? You're leaking carbon to the last minute and feeding microbes. You're doing fantastic. If we can get you to plant into stuff like this and get rid of bare fields, you're doing fantastic. You're gonna still get some results, but you're probably not gonna get us the great weed suppression and the, and the temperature regulation that you could if you could get that CRI high. That's why we're cutting down our varieties way, way down. We have guys going down to 90-day corn getting 250 bushel corn. Like Jerry said, we have better hybrids now. Cover crop has to be a priority just like the crop. If you don't see it that way, can't help you. 
Another one over here. Yes, Ray, referring to you, um, Russell's pictures there with the heavy mat of rye after harvest. Yes. Um, what's the next step with that? Are we planting into that heavy rye with a second cover crop after harvest, or how are you handling it after that? Uh, so right after, okay, after he rolls it? No, after soybean, after soybean harvest. Okay, what does he do with soybean? Yeah, he comes just, with another mix. It depends. What I do is I make sure if I know what you're going to go, if you're going to go into corn, my mix changes. If you're going to go into soybean, it changes. I put more grasses going into soybean. If I go into corn, then what I do is I put more legumes in it because I want it to feed nitrogen in the system. And I don't like more than, if I'm going into corn, I don't like more than 35 pounds of grass. No more than 35 pounds of cereal rye. Now, if you're going further north, you might have to tweak it up a little bit more and put a little more grass, okay? But I don't want um, I don't want more than 35 pounds of cereal rye. Now, if I'm going into soybean, I don't like more than 50 or 60 pounds of cereal rye. I don't want it too thick. So, but I like to mix it with triticale. I like to mix it with oats. I like to feed that biology. So, are you also using going from soybeans to soybeans again? Would you mix in some legumes to balance the carbon and nitrogen ratio? Yes, very good. Yes. And that's what's going to evolve in our classes. We teach you how to manage carbon and nitrogen ratios because if you're going to go into that big biomass, you're going to tie up all kinds of nitrogen. So what I recommend is putting 30 to 40 units of N for your corn. The corn requires it, and it takes care of that. It is not aleopathic. Some people I get all these phone calls like it's aleopathic against corn. It's not. It's nitrogen tie-up. Put that 30 or 40 units right there for your corn. Beautiful. You got it. Not the aleopath, it's nitrogen. Remember, you've got bazillions of roots sucking up nitrogen. They're in the body of the cereal rye. So it's got to release it. So what you've got to do is put a 30, 40 units, 20 to 40 units right up front with the corn, and you're good. I think we've got time for one last question, if anybody has one. That's Jerry. Jerry? Did I get my cattle ranch? I'm working at it. I'm going to be making an offer pretty soon, Jerry. We, I moved to Springfield, Missouri and plan to retire next, next year. Thank you, Ray, for sharing more of your experience and knowledge for creating a natural environment to enhance strip-till production. One of the big takeaways for me from today's program was the challenge Ray set forth to not simply accept farming as a tradition and the importance of evolving, adapting, and educating. While this isn't an easy task, he says it's one that can be accomplished by using nature as a template. A wholesale adoption of this strategy may be a tough sell to some, but gradual change can lead to long-term benefits for the next generation of strip tillers. Well, again, we'd like to recognize and thank our sponsor, Blue Jet, for helping make this Strip-Till Farmer podcast series possible. And I certainly look forward to your feedback on today's program. Feel free to drop me an email at jzemlicka at lessitermedia.com or call me at 262-777-2441. And if you haven't done so already, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this podcast series in iTunes or the Google Play Store to get an alert when upcoming episodes are released. And you can also keep up on the latest strip-till practices impacting your farm by registering online at striptillfarmer.com for our free strip-till strategies e-newsletter. 
And be sure to follow us on Twitter at striptillfarmr and on our Striptill Farmer Facebook page. And finally, another invitation to come out and attend the 4th Annual National Strip Tillage Conference, which will be held August 3rd and 4th in Omaha, Nebraska. Again, you can look for more information and updates coming soon on the conference homepage at www.striptillconference.com. Well, I hope that you'll join us again on February 2nd for the next episode in our 2017 podcast series, Strip-Till Secrets to Achieving High Yields, where Iowa farmer Keith Schlapkohl will detail his approach to developing a strip-till system designed to reach 300 bushel per acre corn and 100 bushel soybean yields. For Ray Archuleta, Blue Jet, and our entire staff here at Strip-Till Farmer, I'm Jackson Licka. Thanks for listening.